Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Ezra stands before the people. Nehemiah stands before the people, and they're kind of flanked with priests, six on the left, seven on the right. They open the book of the law, and when they open the book of the law, something amazing happened. Immediately, all the people stood up, and they remained standing. We'll come back to that. Notice in verse 2 and 3, it tells us all who could hear with understanding. This word, understanding, is used six times in this chapter. Verse 3 tells us that they were men and women. They were men and women who could hear with understanding. The implication is those who could not understand was not there. In other words, there were no children there because children couldn't hear the word of God and understand it. And that's why we discourage children from being in the sanctuary during the teaching because children cannot hear with understanding. Now, I've heard people say, well, you know, and they've said to me, actually, my kids love to hear you preach. People have said that to me and say it pretty regularly. My kids love to hear you preach, and they'd rather come hear you preach than be in the youth ministry. I've heard that. And no disrespect to, I'm sure, I don't even know if they even know, but no disrespect to Pastor Nick, but they, you know, they, we'd, they'd rather hear you preach than be in, in, in the youth ministry. And I appreciate that. And that's a high compliment. Listen, if you can preach and hold a kid's attention and they like it, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm all for that. Although, although this atmosphere in this environment, in this sanctuary, is not an environment for youth. We have an environment for youth. We have a place where kids and youth and children and every level can go and understand the word on their level so that they can receive it. And yes, I'm not saying that your child does not and won't get anything out of what I'm saying. But I will tell you this. There is much of what I'm saying that they will not get. I think what they get is is possibly, I like to laugh. Um, I like to joke around and maybe I'll tell a funny story or maybe I'll make a funny face or something like that. I don't know, whatever it is, they probably like that. And I'm sure they get something out of it, but we have an environment in which not only can they get something out of it, but it's an environment created so they can get all of it out of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's important. All that were gathered together, they were gathered together who could understand. 
who could receive the word of God. And so we discourage children from being in our sanctuary. We usually say 12 and up. Um, you know, if you're 12 years old and older, uh, certainly uh, I, I think that's an age of uh, uh, reason. Uh, I, I don't even know that the Bible actually uh, gives us any specific cutoff age, you know, of this is where you can reason. I, I do know there's a difference of uh Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but now that I'm, you know, older, you know, I put away childish things. So there is a a difference. Do I know exactly where that is? No. Uh, So here at Calvary Chapel, 12 years old, that's about a good age as we think it's a break. So don't, you know, after service, you know, well, how do you know when they didn't understand the word of God? Well, I don't, okay? I'm just telling you 12 years old is what we decided. We had to pick an age. So we decided 12. But all who could hear with understanding were there. Yes, I understand if you're a first-time visitor here. Listen, I do completely understand that. If you're a first-time visitor, and you've probably heard me say this in the past, if you're a first-time visitor and you want to keep your kids with you, that's fine. I, I do understand that. You don't know this church. You don't know, are there weirdos in this church? Are, you know, are there, you know what, who's going to get crazy and you have to get out quick and you want to get the family? You know, you never know. I got that. I, I've been in your shoes and I've, or your seat. I've been there. But if you've been going here for six months, I think it's time to let the kids go down there. And you know what? Honestly, I'm going to keep it real with y'all, Okay. Because I drove six hours to get back here to talk to y'all tonight. And you're going to hear everything I got to say, all right? I think more often than not, this whole thing of, you know, I don't want the kids to go down there because I don't see you know, my children. I want my family to worship together and all of this. You know, sometimes I think it's more the parents than it is the kids. The kids are like, I want to go be with other kids. They want to be with their peers. It's the parents who, I don't, you know, I think it's more that. So if you're a first-time visitor, absolutely. Maybe a second-time visitor, okay, fine. You know, if you've been here, you know, about a month or two, and you decided this is where you're going to be coming to church, then let your kids go down there. Listen, we put a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of effort, uh, security checks and backgrounds, security people watching at the front desk so no wackos come in there and steal your kids out. We got everything in place possible. There's no reason you shouldn't have your child in the children's ministry. None. And here's a benefit. And here's a benefit. They'll get teaching on their level. And they'll understand the word of God. And they'll grow up liking church. Ooh. They'll grow up liking church. You put a kid in a sanctuary, how many of us, I know people today that will tell you, I will not darken the doors of a church. I don't like church. And the reason they don't like church is because all they remember from church is pain. When they were coming up, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You sitting in there and your grandma with your grandma your grand, and you know, you listen to this pastor and he's like talking all these Greek words and all, that, you know, all this stuff and you're just bored to tears. You're a child. And when you're bored as a child, what do you do? You tear up Bibles. <laughs> or you tear up things. Or books. 
or you write on my chairs or you, you do stuff because you're bored. And then the parent, you're sitting there listening to the word, yes, yes, yeah, stop it, yes, yes, yes. You better knock, I'm going to knock you out. That's what happens. And the kids are like, uh. Now, if you're like me, I, I, I honestly didn't do all that. I just took them out and just slapped them. You know what I mean? I, amen. Where my We didn't mess around from the old school, y'all. No, I'm from the old school. We just, my, my, they just take you out and beat you. And bring you back in, and all of a sudden, you are a perfect angel. Right? Why go through all of that? Why not just put them in where they need to be so they can be minister, they'll grow up, they'll love church, and then they'll go to junior high ministry, and they'll love church, and then they'll go to high school ministry, and they'll love church, and they'll love God, and they'll start serving, and they'll start getting involved, and then they'll, then they'll be old enough to come up here to the big sanctuary, and, they, and they're, they're growing along with the ministry. And by the time they get in here, they're used to study. They're used to reading the word. They're used to plodding through the word. They're used to the pastor reading the word distinctly and giving the sense, I'm getting ahead of myself, I'm coming back. They're used to all of these things by the time they get up here. It's so important that you love your children by allowing them to be ministered to on their level. People have told us, oh, you guys, uh, you know, you're not suffering the kids to come to Jesus. People told me that one time. Well, you know, ma'am, you know, we don't, children, and, you know, we encourage, you know, try to be nice about it. And you don't want to use the word policy. It's church. You know, you don't use the word policy, but, you know, it's our, you know, it's our policy. That, you know, that we, you know, have the children down there. Well, you're not suffering the children. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. They know that. <laughs> Supper, the little. I wish I had bigger jaws that would go like this. <laughs> Suffer the children to come unto me. And you know, listen, Jesus loves children. Somebody say amen. amen. And we love children. Amen. And we love them enough to put them where they need to be. And we understand that it's critically important for children to hear the word of God. Listen to this. A Gallup survey showed 19 out of 20 people who became Christians did so before the age of 25. At 25, one in 10,000 will become believers at 35. One in 50,000 at 45. One in 200,000 at 55. One in 300,000 at 75. One in 700,000 become Christians after that. So it's important to get them early. It's important to minister to them early. It's important to minister to them on their level. To create an environment where children grow up and they like church, and they can learn on their level, and they can hear with understanding. Ezra read the word to all who could hear with understanding. Now listen, this is the first, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. This is the first and primary goal of the preacher-teacher is to cause people to hear the word with understanding. If you leave knowing five helpful hints to better your life, but you don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I failed. If you leave having been entertained by 
illustrations and stories, but you don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I have failed. If you leave motivated to fast and pray more, but you don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I have failed. If you leave admiring me, but don't have a greater understanding of God's word, I have failed. And I will be accountable before God for my failure. It's critical. Notice in verse 3, I told you we'd come back to it. From morning till midday, they stood and they read the word of God. Did you get that? That's six hours, y'all. Some of y'all get upset if I go like 50 minutes, 55 minutes. You're looking at your watches. Thinking he got to be coming in for landing real soon. I know. I see you. I see you. Six hours they were, and get this, six hours they were attentive to the word. Some people have a problem being attentive for six minutes. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not endorsing six hours. You know, I realized and learned as a pastor, the brain cannot absorb what the seat cannot endure. I learned that. And that's why we got cushioned seats to get an extra mile out of you (laughs) while I'm teaching. So get the scene. For six hours, the people were attentive to the book. For six hours, the law was spoken. For six hours, the spirit of God was moving. For six hours, the people's hearts were touched. The people were attentive to the book. The people were attentive to the book. The people were attentive to the book. That wasn't Ezra's responsibility. It was the people's responsibility to be attentive to the book. It's your responsibility to hear the word and to listen to the word. Notice something very practical and very spiritual happens at one time. They made a platform of wood for Ezra to stand on. So that's the practical thing in order to do something spiritual. They go hand in hand. The practical thing, you know, room temperature, children's ministry, less distractions, good microphones so the people can be heard. All of these things are important. And all of these things help the word of God to be heard, which are very practical. But by far, the greatest preparation that needs to happen is in the heart. When you listen to the word of God, you have to forget about your own agenda. Are you listening? You've got to forget about what you've been taught and allow God's word, not the preacher, to be heard. They brought the law before the people. We don't know how many thousands of men and women were gathered together, but we do know all who heard stood there, all who heard with understanding. Ezra steps up to the pulpit. Again, he's in the middle. There's priests on the left and priests on the right. These men were supporting Nehemiah in the ministry. The people asked for the word of God, and Ezra brings the law. When Ezra opened the book, the people stood up because they had a respect for the word of God, and they recognized it was the word of God and not the word of man. I'm going to say that again. They recognized that it was the word of God and not the word of man. And that's why it's important when you come into the sanctuary that you listen. And that's why it's important that you don't drift off. And that's why it's important that you don't talk to your friends. And that's why it's important that you're not chatting back and forth when God's word is being taught because it's the word of God and not the word of man. And I'm sorry, 
Call me old school, antiquated, you can call me what you want. I honestly still believe in reverence for this book. Is that it? Reverence for this book. It's the word of God. It's not the word of Rodney. It's not the word of Calvary Chapel. It's not the word of you. It's not the word of any man. It's the word of God. The people stood and they remained standing from morning. That word morning in the Hebrew would come back driving five hours a day. You know, when you're in the car for five hours, you got, you know, six guys, you just talk about everything. I'm only going to tell you one thing we talked about, all right? I was sharing with them this word. I was, I never knew this. This word morning in the Hebrew language means from light. From light. Morning light makes sense, but from light. So they stood listening to the word of God from light. They stood there for six hours. They gathered together from dawn to midday to hear the word of God. They were willing to sacrifice something to hear it. The people were willing to give up sleep. Well, I'm just not a morning person. Can I encourage you? Become a morning person. I honestly think this is, okay, this is me, all right? I think, and I believe the scriptures lean more toward God speaking in the morning. Early in the morning will I seek thee. So much, the Bible has so much to say about early in the morning. It's quiet, no cell phones, no text messages, all of that. Amen. Early in the morning, God spoke. The people, they gathered early in the morning. They stood there all day long. They were willing to give up something. They were like Jacob. They could not let go until they had their blessing. And they remained standing there the entire time, listening to the word of God. This book. Many people died for this book. People died so that you could get this book in your hands. You have no idea how blessed you are. Are you listening? How blessed you are. I've gone to countries and been in places where you can't just sit, come and gather together and open the Bible and read the word of God and yes, amen, yeah, praise the Lord. You can't do that. There's a lot of countries and Christians and brothers and sisters of yours that don't even have the book. Or some have, you know, page 43 through, you know, page, you know, 502. And then another underground church has page 503 through page 575. And another underground church has, and another underground. And when they finish reading, finish teaching, they, this happens today. When they finish reading and they finish teaching, they send the pages to that church. And that church when they finish, they send it on to another church. We are blessed to have a Bible. Some of us, we've got five, three, four, five of them in our house on the shelf. I know I probably got eight or nine. 
People die to get this book in your hands. We should read it and reverence it. And don't get me wrong, it's not the book. It's the words that's written in the book. I was talking to a guy just a couple nights ago, actually, at the hotel, and he was telling me that, you know, he just, he, he understood, he said, I understand it's not right, but he says, I just feel I can't, I can't write in my Bible. I can't write in it because it just, I know that I just can't write in the Bible. He says, it just feels sacrilegious to me. It just, I said, man, look, you know what? I understand. He understood it wasn't right, but he just was saying, and I said, you know, understand something. This, this is just a, a tree. This is just used to be a tree. It's just paper. It's not the paper that's important. It's the words written on the paper that's important. Didn't David say, I write thy word upon the tables of my heart that I sin not against thee? So this is God's word. We should reverence it. It's holy, and we should remember that. The people gave their full attention to the word of God, and their lives were changed. In verse 6, go ahead and look at it. All the people thank God by saying, amen and amen, or yes, yes. And they pray, lifting up their hands, and they worship by bowing down their heads. Are you going with me? Giving thanks, thanksgiving and praise and, 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 and all in the spirit. And then in verse 8, look at verse 8. They read distinctly. You write and take notes. That means the preacher should speak slow and clear, and they should be able to easily understand, reading every word. Distinctly, remember, his goal is to make the people understand, not to impress and entertain. And they gave the sense. That means the preacher should communicate the sense of the passage of Scripture. The preacher must not communicate his own agenda or favorite topics. They help the people to understand the law. You know, if somebody asks you what Calvary Chapel's about, just open up the Nehemiah 8.8. Just take them to the, well, what's that, what's that church all about? What y'all all about over there? Just open up Nehemiah 8.8 and say, just read that. So they read distinctly from the book in the law of God, and they gave the sense and helped them to understand the reading. This is what Calvary Chapel's all about right there. One verse. Reading the word of God and understanding it. Isaiah 28.10 tells us how God's word should be taught. Isaiah 28.10 tells us for precept must be upon precept and line upon line. Oh, come on, somebody read it with me. For precept must be upon precept. Everybody read it with me. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. That's how God wants his word taught. God's word should be taught line upon line, precept upon precept. And when you teach that way, you're teaching verse by verse, expositional, exegetical teaching, and it's safe. Don't you know verse by verse is safe? Get more than five people say amen. amen. Isn't it safe? And it keeps you balanced. So if you're teaching a text and you're, you're teaching a Calvinist position, but then you keep going through the scripture, you find yourself teaching an Arminianist position. So people ask you, what's your position? 
and you really can't take one. Because God's word really does keep you balanced and lets the Bible say what the Bible says. And then when somebody hears something that's convicting, that has nothing, that has nothing to do with the pastor, we teach verse by verse. How many times, honestly, people have said after service, have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> no. I don't even know you. <laughs> I surely don't know your wife. Man, what you said, we've been, oh, man, that just really, really, t- man, or, or some people, you know, you're teaching the word of God and they get offended. Listen, if you get offended, then say ouch or amen. But ne- listen, understand something. I never, ever, ever bring things to the pulpit that are going on in the church that I want to talk about and straighten y'all out about. That's not the way Anybody that I know actually approaches verse-by-verse expositional teaching. You don't do that. You go verse-by-verse, line-upon-line, precept-upon-precept, every comma, every period, every question mark, every jot, every tittle, everything in the Word of God. And then if people get offended, then that's just the work of the Holy Spirit. Love that. Love it. Nobody can say, oh, Pastor Ronnie, you just, you just, you just got something you're going to, you know. It keeps the preacher from pounding the pulpit and grinding an axe. I won't tell y'all about yourself. What kind of sermon am I? What am I going to preach this week? The sin of gossip. I'm going to tell y'all about yourself. That doesn't happen when you teach verse by verse. It's clear. It's safe. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.